have one more question. What? Next windfall we get, can I stick a statue of myself in the lobby? Stick it, Addison. Welcome to the show, Moonlighting fans. Whether you're a Moonlighting fan from way back when, or whether you are new to Moonlighting and you want to know what all the hype is about, you have come to the right place. Hi, I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. And we're your hosts for the podcast that is all about Moonlighting. When we talk about Moonlighting, we're talking about the Emmy award-winning 80s TV series starring Bruce Willis and Simple Shepherd. So if you're a fan of theirs, you're going to want to stay tuned as we review all 66 episodes. We hope you enjoy this journey with us because we are going to be watching the series episodes one by one and discussing them every week. Now this is going to take several years as you can imagine, so please join us because we are going to have so much fun along the way. We will also be releasing bonus episodes of interviews with creators, cast and crew to extend your listening experience. That's right, and we really want to include our Moonlighting fans in this project as much as possible. So write to us and let us know what your thoughts are, and even if you have some trivia to disclose. Our email address is fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com, and we will include you in our future episodes. So stay with us. Shauna and I are beyond excited to finally bring Moonlighting into the 21st century for some serious discussions. You up for it, Shauna? I sure am. Well, let's get started. be precise he was in there one minute and nine seconds i just thought i'd mention that okay (laughs) very good gotta be (laughs) got to uh, check the facts so what i find strange about this scene when they get to maddie's house she lets him in the place is still dark and he's already starting to walk towards the lounge room how does he know it's in there (laughs) right and when she showed up to the office it was 905 and then she takes Mr. Wright. They leave the office. They go to her house and it's dark. It's night. How did that happen? Where did all the time go? What have they been doing all day? <laughs> that just doesn't make sense. Why did they make it nighttime? Maybe just to be more mysterious or a little creepier, bringing the stranger home or. Yeah. And you're right. Like, how, how does he know where to go? And yeah. So he looks at the painting and he's fascinated by what his brother has painted, talks to her a little bit and then starts walking out. I think he's probably using a little bit of reverse psychology on her. Oh, he's definitely like playing on her emotions. Yeah, because he would definitely want that painting. Then he comes back in and tells her the story about Paris and how Philip first saw her face on a cover of a magazine there. And there's a great monologue here just on his own. It's a real close-up of him and he's telling her the story and his facial expressions. Yeah. You know, it's funny as a few years ago, I was in Paris and my sister and I were walking back to our hotel down the street and I passed a newsstand and there was a cover, an old cover of a magazine and it had Sybil on it. Oh, that's so good. Just like this. It was so funny. I'm like, oh my gosh, Sybil, like an old, (laughs) you know, from the seventies, it wasn't a current magazine. It was like a, just a, a classic magazine you could buy, but it was Sybil. Oh, so it actually was an old magazine that you could buy. Yeah. It was an old magazine that you could buy. I took a picture of it. Any place we are that we see anything moonlighting, we've got to take a picture. Mm, And that was a great reference for you back to Portrait of Maddie. I know. Yes, I know. So that story reminds me exactly of that. It's so funny. Mm, So good. Mm -hmm. All right. So 
Maddie is really overcome with emotion here because he, the way he's telling her the story, bit of manipulation. Actually, I wanted to say when she walks towards the painting when they first arrive, I love the pleats on the back of her jacket. Yeah, wardrobe. His manipulation worked because she says, I want you to have the painting. She thinks that Philip painted it for Charles and he's going, no, well, it's your painting. You paid good money for it. But I really like this line when she says, I don't even know you. You paid good money. You're for right. It. I own it. But it doesn't belong to me. Yes. And, and just um, another uh, moment, you know, with this long monologue, just killing more time between him and the man that shows up at her house later. There's these long dialogues that are kind of filming time or, or like filling space where Maddie or Bruce and Sybil don't have to memorize more dialogue. Yeah, it's definitely a creative way of doing it because the fan watching wouldn't be thinking about that. Oh, hang on. She's in more scenes than he is or Mm -hmm. scenes really long. Uh, Yeah, we just go along with the plot and all that stuff. No problem. But we just notice now like why the purpose of those things. Yeah. But why didn't they just keep doing that, having scenes with the guest star separately? You know, that would have helped reduce Um, their work level. I don't know. I I just think that they needed a longer span of time off because Mm. I remember reading an article or interview where they said even the weekends, you're just constantly exhausted and you're like barely catching up even on the weekends. Mm. It's it's just not enough time. I think they needed like a full week off. So I I think, you know, long stretches with the guest star, that only gives you like an afternoon off, you know? Mm. And plus people don't want to see guest stars. You don't want to see more and more guest stars and more, you know, a lot of the dialogue going to guest stars. You want to see them. Yeah. So maybe it was better to like have them be in top form, you know, get a rest, be in top form, be ready to like memorize and deliver all that dialogue and then like throw a depesto in there or something like that, you know, to give them a rest. It was pretty taxing, Yeah. pretty taxing roles. And it's a really great ending to the scene with Maddie's face telling him that she wants him to have the painting and the phone rings while the camera is still on Maddie's face, but it's, the next morning, it's two o'clock in the morning and she's That's woken up by the phone by the lieutenant. So it here sounds, we again. here we go again. I just thought that was an interesting transition to the next scene. How many times has she been woken in the middle of the night? I know. Yes, this happens a lot for Maddie. <laughs> she sleeps better than we do. We're always like up in the middle of the night. Yeah, so the lieutenant you see is at the loft again and the camera pans down and Charles is lying dead on the ground in the same place with the painting on the aisle. So it was sort of like a mirror image of the previous crime. And they even have overlapping body outlines. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie's called to the police station and the lieutenant is interrogating her, thinking that she definitely knows something about these two deaths because now there's two people dead and that she's got to be involved somehow. And he can't believe that she just gave Charles the picture for no reason. And she's saying, well, the man was grieving. And he's like, no, the man was lying. He wasn't overseas. He was up the river. He had just been released from prison just hours before he came to see you. So things are starting to get uncovered now about who Charles really is and that he's an international art thief. The plot is unfolding. And David bursts in. (laughs) (laughs) And it's the dialogue that you want on a t-shirt, Grace. Oh my God, yes. That is definitely a phrase I want on the merchandise. So get to it, Shauna. Yes, I'll have to put that up there. (laughs) Yeah. 
for anyone who hasn't seen um, our on our Instagram, we've been creating some merchandise that has some of the great lines and dialogue from Moonlighting that you can put on a t-shirt or a tote bag or a hat or something like that. So Grace wants this. Why is my client being held and not by me? (laughs) (laughs) Which I'm going to create for you, Grace. And I want uh, from yours very deli. I want kick it or I'll kick you. (laughs) (laughs) Easy choice. Easy choice. Yes. I'm going to put that up there too. So if you have any favorite dialogue or quotes from Moonlighting and uh, want to wear it on a t-shirt or carry it around on a tote bag, check out our Instagram or Redbubble. You can even have it on a mug or uh, on a phone case. And if there's a quote that you like, but you don't see, then just message us and we can put it up there for you as well. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Something different. Yeah. It's a bit. I mean, you know, it makes sense because moonlighting is so dialogue driven that you got to preserve these great lines. Check those out, everyone. Where you listen to your podcast, the link will be below in the podcast show notes as well. Right. Or Instagram or Facebook or Redbubble MoonPod 2016. Where does the 2016 come from, Grace? It is the office suite number of Blue Moon Detective Agency. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. There, you got some trivia. <laughs> so David bursts in. Let's just hold it right there, shall we? My client isn't answering any more of your questions. You just can't burst in here like that. Oh, no? Tell that to the writers. <laughs> <laughs> There's another great one. Actually, that'd be really good on a T-shirt. Besides, how would you like me to burst in? <laughs> you could print that whole, uh, all that dialogue out. All of that is great. Yeah, it's the best. I just like how he acts like an attorney walking in with a briefcase. It's so funny. Oh, my Um, gosh. I know. (laughs) And how happy was he when uh, he got Maddie's phone call in the middle of the night? He got up and put his suit on and everything. All right. He would have loved that. (laughs) (laughs) So the lieutenant wants to know who he is. I mean, he's acting like an attorney. I love how David acts scared of the painting. sound he makes and he does the crisscross with his fingers (laughs) i know it's so funny she says this is my business associate you said i had one call this is who i called and i like how the lieutenant goes do you like another one and david (laughs) david goes excuse me but it's 2 30 in the morning and i'd like to know why my colleague is being held why it isn't by me yeah (laughs) he didn't think david was worth it and one thing i did notice too is that In that scene where the lieutenant says, would you like another? And he says, excuse me, the camera is very low looking up at them. It sort of gave the illusion that it was Maddie's point of view looking up. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Peter Winner did that. This is where David finds out that Charles is dead. So he goes, he wasn't perusing a certain portrait at the time, was he? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This must be one hell of a picture. So yeah. <laughs> this is this is where David gets a bit confused now because he's like he's assuming he died at her house and wonders how he got to his brother's loft and how the yeah. painting got there. She says, I gave it to him for what? For free. Maddie, mm. that was a two thousand dollar painting. She doesn't know why they both killed themselves. I don't know why Charles took the painting back to the loft, but she does know that he loved his brother and that's why she gave him the painting. And that's when the lieutenant lifts up the painting, turns it around, and David has that crazy reaction and does, does the crisscross. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. 
and the lieutenant informs them now that he loved it so much that he scraped the top of the painting to find out what was underneath. That's when Maddie realises that, oh, dear, it's not all about me. The world is not revolving around me in this episode. Exactly. There's your plot twist. And that's when Maddie goes, yes, well, I'd like to go home now, David. (laughs) She's very bummed out. And then the lieutenant gives her back the painting. And I found a little goof here where he hands her the painting. Mm -hmm. And as they're walking out, it's turned around the other way. Oh, okay. As to how he handed it to her. Yeah. Yeah. Because as they walk out, she's turned it around to show the painting to the camera. Whereas beforehand, it was the other way around. It was facing her. Right. And also just um, something I always notice is when Bruce kicks the door in, there's something, you know, that makes the door stick open. Not a door wrangler because there couldn't be someone there, but it goes into like maybe a little slot or something that holds the door open, you know, so it doesn't bounce back on him. Like he kicks it open and it just stays against the wall. Something catches it, I think. Oh, good pickup. Because normally that would have just, it would have reversed back into him, wouldn't it normally? Yeah. It would have come like right back on him. Yeah. So I always noticed how it does that. And the the door wobbles a little bit, like it's kind of been caught by Mm. something. For some reason, I always noticed that. This is another one that should be on a T-shirt when the lieutenant tells her that until the coroner verifies the suicides, the case will remain open. So don't leave town. (laughs) And then David says, Has it ever occurred to you that the reason this town is crawling with so many crooks is because you never let them leave town? I know. You never (laughs) let them leave. I know. Well, you know what? Another good point. It's another one of the best lines in Moonlighting. That's it. I've said my piece. I've said my piece. And we have another door slam. And then we get a car scene. Yeah, it's really sweet. And Maddie's really bummed out. And David is, how how would you describe him? Is he just trying to change her feelings again or make her see that it's not as bad as she thinks? She's finding the whole thing so sad. She's imagining his last day and David thinks she's loving this and he doesn't like that. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he thinks it's a little romantic. Um, I mean, think about it, Maddie. Wouldn't you be disappointed if you knew that he didn't kill himself because of you? They've both got conflicting views on it. And she's saying, well, Philip Wright died for me. Yeah, and he says, Mm. right, lucky stiff. And she goes, what is that supposed to mean? Which she says a lot. I wish I had a dollar for that too. Every time she says, what is that supposed to mean? What is that supposed to mean? Yeah. 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 Oh, nothing. She's thinking about us poor slobs who live for you. I know. That's such a sweet scene. Okay. That's what I was going to say about this scene. He starts off apologizing to her. You know, I'm sorry. Mm. Maddie's very dramatic. And he, yeah, starts to kind of call her out like, you're really loving this, aren't you? You know, because she is kind of milking it. And then, you know, yeah, come on. I mean, how great is this line? The poor slobs who live for you? Come on, you know? And that's to the point that we've been talking about. David is right there in front of her, someone who loves her and wants to give her everything and be with her. Of course, she doesn't, you know, think that he could be serious about it, but but she gets really obsessed and caught up in the fantasy of like the Paul McCain's and this guy. So David is definitely like calling her out on that, you know, saying like, you're loving this, aren't you? And I always think about this car scene because when he says, oh, nothing, I was just thinking about us poor slobs who live for you. Yeah. I wanted them to continue that conversation. I want to know I what know. she would have said. Yeah, and it just cuts off. And then this is what doesn't make sense because they have this nice conversation in the car and he says something really sweet. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, come on, like that. You're right. I mean, that dialogue, let's continue that dialogue. You know, of course, she, she probably just like brushed right past it. But when he walks her to the door, it's like they're in a fight. So it's like there's a missing scene again because that doesn't make sense. How Thank we just you. left them in the car. Thank yeah. you. Yes. That's what yeah. annoys me about this too, because maybe there was more dialogue and he's upset her and they've got to her house and she slammed the door on him. Because I'm yes. thinking, hang on a minute, he just said something really nice and now you're home and you're slamming the door on him? And um, she says, I have nothing more to say to you. And he says, I, I know, for weeks now. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just weird. It's just a weird dialogue and she doesn't want him around and he's leaving. And, yeah, it's like they're in a fight. But it's like they're pissed mm-hmm. off at each other after they had this nice conversation in the car. So yeah. it doesn't make sense. Now I know how a Jehovah's Witness feels. Uh-huh. Or like she's kind of you know, closing the door in his face. And in that, we have another door slam. All right. You know what? This would be a perfect opportunity when Disney Plus streams Moonlighting. They can get these extra scenes. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> and show us what that dialogue said. Because something was cut there. You know? Yeah. Yeah. There was definitely something cut there because she's very angry with him for some reason. And the continuity there is, is not right. Yeah, it doesn't make sense, just like it doesn't make sense. It it reminds me of Money Talks, Maddie Walks, where we end, you know, with them mutually deciding to end the game, the poker game. Mm -hmm. And then the next scene, she's left him in Buenos Aires and she's near tears and he can't get home and she won't talk to him. It's like, what? Wait, what happened? They were teamed up, you know, them against Sawyer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and now she's pissed off. And same here. It's like he's saying like the sweetest things in the car. And they get home and she's shoving the door in his face. And then he's saying like that she hasn't talked to him in weeks. Very Mm, weird. Correct. Another thing I noticed too, in the middle of this, she takes off her shoes. (laughs) She must, of course, it must be the first scene where she's actually got her heels on, not in view of the camera. Oh yeah. (laughs) Right. She takes them off quickly. Thanks for walking me home, Mr. Addison. I have nothing more to say to you. Yeah, I know for weeks now. When I do, I'll holler. I'll be waiting. David! That was fast. (laughs) (laughs) And gosh, her house is a disaster. It's a mess. Someone's like ransacked it. You know what I can't get over? There's feathers flying everywhere, yet there's no couch that's been cut open or a pillow. Okay. Maybe because there's feathers flying, I have a vision of that he did cut open the couch cushion. No, he didn't. I couldn't, I did a still, I couldn't see anything, but that doesn't mean, I don't think they'd wreck that couch. (laughs) Yeah, probably not. I mean, yeah. I love the line, you know, when David runs in and the guy is there. (laughs) You didn't tell me you were living with anybody. (laughs) Yeah, but before that. Yeah. The Helen Keller look. I like it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So I had to look that up because I've heard references to Helen Keller before but I didn't know what an amazing woman she was. Do you know about Helen Keller? Yeah, I remember watching that the Helen Keller story growing up. Uh, wow. Yeah, blind, yeah, blind, deaf, and dumb, and oh was really accomplished. God. Yeah, she was born really? in Alabama in 1880. Her name was Helen Adams Keller. She was an American author, a disability rights advocate, political activist, and lecturer. She lost her sight and her hearing after a bout of illness at the age of 19 months. Following this, she communicated using home signs until the age of seven 
when she met her first teacher and lifelong companion, Anne Sullivan. And Anne taught Keller language, including reading and writing. She became the first deaf and blind person to earn a Bachelor of Arts degree at the Radcliffe College of Harvard University. She toured the US and travelled to 35 countries around the globe, advocating for those with vision loss. She was also an author of 14 books. She died in her sleep in 1968 at her home in eastern Connecticut, a few weeks short of her 88th birthday. And one little extra bit of trivia, Patty Duke portrayed Keller in the play and the film The Miracle Worker in 1962. Then... In the 1979 remake, Patty played Anne Sullivan. Ah, yes. Hmm. I found that really interesting. What an amazing woman. Yes. I remember watching The Miracle Worker when I was young, Sunday night movie or something like that, and I was really taken by it. Really amazing woman and her teacher as well. Yes. so the gentleman appears in the shadows. Where's the Duchess? This gentleman is called Paul Rudd. Now, when I saw the credits, I thought, Paul Rudd, that can't be. Yeah. Paul Rudd's not in this. And yeah, I worked it out. The other Paul Rudd, he would have been 16 years old okay. when this episode came out. Yeah. So this is a different Paul Rudd. This guy, um, he was born in Boston, Massachusetts, and he was an actor known for Knots Landing, Once Upon a Classic in 1976, and The Last Song in 1980. He unfortunately passed away in August 2010, age 70. He did not do a lot of acting. It looks like his first acting credit was 1975. He was in Beacon Hill, the TV series. He did several episodes of Knots Landing. But his career looks like it stops in 1986. So he did two episodes of Heart to Heart. He was in Quincy. He was in Murder, She Wrote. And then he did The Accomplice and Moonlighting. And then the last thing he did was Kung Fu, the TV movie. He didn't do a lot of acting, but yes, that's Paul Rudd, but it's a different Paul Rudd. Yes. We hope you're enjoying listening to Moonlighting, the podcast. And for all you devoted Moonlighting fans out there, we now have Moonlighting merchandise. Check it out at redbubble.com slash people slash moonpod2016. He wants the Duchess, and obviously they don't know anything about it, Maddie offers him the portrait and he says, oh, please. Oh, I love the whole thing about, oh, yeah, how would you know, like, you know, how good of a portrait it was. Don't be offended. What's he know? I was curator of the National Gallery Francaise for seven years. (laughs) (laughs) Big deal. Your uncle probably got you the job. (laughs) That's great. So he thinks Philip has told them where the painting is. So he begins to tell them the history of the painting. And he thinks that the message is hidden in the painting because Maddie is in the painting. So she must know something. Yeah. And David says, I'm not good at this. I cheat at connect the dots. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Now, did you know, I thought, you know what, just for giggles, I thought I'd look up the Duchess. And there is actually an oil painting called the White Duchess. Oh, really? Yeah. An expensive one. Is it from France? um, Well, it says here. The White Duchess is a life-sized 192 by 128 centimetre oil-on-canvas painting by mm. the Spanish artist Francisco Goya, completed in 1795 and now in the collection of the House of Alba in the Liria Palace in Madrid. It portrays Maria 
Cayetana de Silva, 13th Duchess of Alba, and is one of a number of portraits Goya painted of her around this time and is usually compared alongside the similarly sized but tonally very different Black Duchess, which was painted two years later just after her husband died, age 39. So Mm -hmm. the Duke and Duchess were highly placed, cultivated and well-regarded members of the 1790s Spanish court. Interesting. If you Google them, you can actually look up the White Duchess and the Black Duchess on Google. Okay. Okay. So Maddie tells him, well, why don't you just look in the dresser? And he's shocked to know that the dresser actually exists. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) David says, I bet I know where we're going. Yes. (laughs) Off they go. But in this scene... It's really funny when they have the close-ups of this guy, it's got the silhouette, half face mm-hmm. lit. But when they have the wide shot from further back with Maddie and David sitting down, the lighting is even. Yeah. In my notes, I put insert shots of Maddie and David. I don't think they're there listening to that story. No, no, no. No, of course not. It's just no. that the lighting changes between the shots and it's quite noticeable. Uh, I agree. Yes. We're at the loft now and we have an open door slam. And <laughs> I love this. <laughs> I just love it how he says it. He goes, upstairs. Say the magic word. Move or I'll kill you. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But yeah, it's great dialogue. God. Maddie awesome. walks in with her heels, but then the next cut, she's got her runners on very clearly. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Only when you see her feet. And David walks near the body outline and said, oh, the dead guy have hiccups. I know. Two body outlines. David is so sarcastic, isn't he? He never didn't take any of this seriously. And here comes a classic scene where the guy starts looking through the drawers of the dresser. Yeah. And we have the scene with a clue, a clue, a clue. A clue, a clue, a clue, which is on a T-shirt. Any idea what he's looking for? Okay, give me one. Give me one what? Give me a clue what he's looking for. A clue. I'm waiting. For what? To find out what the man is looking for. The man is looking for a clue. A clue, a clue, a clue. Gesundheit. That's a very classic moon landing line. Any montage, you're going to uh, get that in there. The gentleman, which he doesn't have a name, he's just known as the accomplice. He finds the bill of lading in the dresser. And I think possibly Philip has put that there as a red herring. Mm -hmm. Although we don't know that at this stage. He thinks it's a map to the White Duchess, so he decides to tie up Maddie and David again. Yeah, well, he has Maddie tie up David. Oh, that's right, yes. Which is really funny. Of course, he tightens it when he leaves, but why would she tie it tight so he couldn't get out, you know? And thank God he ties up Maddie at the dressing table. Yes, that's the perfect place for her to sit. But what does he say? Um, Yeah, in the pose that made you famous. In the pose that made you famous, yes, that's what he says, yes. And he's off back to Europe. Yeah. So what I noticed in this scene was that when he's standing in front of the dresser, the guy, he's holding the bill of lading. But when he's tying them up, he's not holding it. And then he goes to tie up Maddie and it reappears on the dresser. Oh, really? I never noticed that. That's a good catch. The guy leaves them. Adieu. Somehow. Adieu. Adieu. (laughs) I do. <laughs> David. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Right when he leaves, doesn't she say, I feel so stupid. And he says, you look so soft and supple. That's after the guide left. Okay. 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 And then she says, David, and he says, you rang, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And he says that more than once throughout the series, you rang. So she's sitting there and she says, David, how close am I to the painting? Mm. And she sees a reflection in the mirror. Okay. Yes. Now, I hate to tell you this, people, but there are no windows in that loft. That's a good point. So where yeah. the hell is she seeing this? Yeah, what? How is this reflecting? Because <laughs> this is like a, a really big mirror that has this big flashing sign outside of it. Yeah. <laughs> big flashing arrow. And suddenly, yeah, that we're not getting any of that light or any of that those windows, seeing any of those windows before this. And suddenly, yeah, I know. That's pretty funny. Because doesn't matter what scene or cut you see previous to this scene, there are no windows in this loft. That I can yeah. see. Yep. Yeah. Um, so she tries to get over to David by slithering over. You slither great. Yes, she does. <laughs> He's just watching her and like really enjoying that, you know, when she's, uh, you know, just probably Sybil herself, you know, inching her, her way over to him tied up to the chair. I love how she yeah. does it too. It's so good. If you look at while she's doing it, Bruce's face, he's just... I reckon he's, he's out it. of character when he's laughing at her doing it. It's so funny. I think, yeah, I think he's laughing at Sybil doing that. Yeah, definitely. He looks very amused. So she unties him and, oh, they're just where I left them. <laughs> His hands. And he goes to untie Maddie. And I like the um, physical comedy there where she falls and he grabs her, just like the dip in the pilot. Yes. When I make my videos that I put to music. I use a couple of the scenes in this episode a lot. The one where he walks up behind her in the office when they're wearing blue. (laughs) That's really good for like slow romantic songs. And this one where he catches her and there's a little bit of a pause. And of course they look into each other's eyes. And as she's coming up, you know, she pushes him away in in Mm. true Maddie fashion. Yes. Those are oft used clips in my videos. And you do a great job with those videos, Shauna. Thanks, Grace. Everybody head on over to the YouTube channel. There's only about a hundred or so to watch. Oh, well, sit down with some popcorn and, you know, (laughs) a nice wine or something and chill one night. Exactly. And watch the fun videos. Yeah. I just did one to Ryan Adams song, Crooked Shake. Yes. That was awesome. And I used that scene where she was falling Mm. because he says people stumble and then fall. 
Oh, moonlighting. It just gives us everything, doesn't it? I know. It's just the best. Mm-hmm. But we're biased. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So she walks over to the dresser and she says, bring the chair. And he whistles to the chair like it's a I dog. Know. Yes, I know. You know, David Addison, and this is just like showcases it all so well, how goofy and silly he was in the beginning, you know, as opposed to how serious he became later. Yeah. But he was so silly, you know, and just, I was bringing up the soft and supple line. You know, I feel so stupid. You look soft and supple because again, it's one of those things that he would always say that she would then that she got mad about later, you know, Mm. but she would always let it slide, but that was him. It was always him. That's David Addison. And that's how we love him. All right. So she sits him down, looks at himself, and he loves himself. Loves looking at himself. He looks so cute here. Oh, that's good for me too. She's telling him to move down because he's taller than her, but <laughs> doesn't really coincide with the painting. But anyway, and she shows him the neon sign. So she walks over to him, turns his neck over to look over to the window, but the directions are all wrong. I don't get it. I don't get it, mm-hmm. Shorter. I know, but you know. Because because you know what I mean? If you're looking at a reflection of a mirror, she's turning him the wrong way. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) It does my head in. I know, but you got to go with it, you know. We don't care. We just love them both. It's the 80s. It's a single camera. (laughs) It's Yeah, that's right. Probably filmed in a totally different location. Yeah, they're just, but this is our job. This is why we get paid the big bucks, Grace. (laughs) I wish. <laughs> notice these things <laughs> and point them out and make sure everybody knows the angles are wrong yes <laughs> oh god okay so they both go over to the window and david is shocked to find that there is a sign saying roth's auto painting and it's pointing towards another building now what do you see what the I'll cover that bit. Yep. Good ending to a great scene. Yes. And they run off. So now we're in the parking lot and it's a great shot from above them, from the loft, looking down at them in the parking lot. Where's the arrow pointing? So she moves her finger towards the direction of where the arrow is pointing. And you see how David's looking at her? How's it? When she moves her finger towards to find which direction the painting is. Yeah. He's just looking at her. He's Mm. loving how she's moving her arm. It's really weird. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to look at that again. She says, oh, she points towards the um, the drain pipe and he goes, could be, who knows. Uh, He starts singing Something's Coming from West Side Story. (laughs) It's so good. (laughs) Yes. Oh and we're in shark territory and all we're, that. So yeah, he goes. Soon as it shows, You want to wrap this up, Tony? We're in shark territory. <laughs> oh, it's a great film from 1961. It was a musical in 1957. And guess what? I have a bit of trivia about this, Shauna. Okay. Guess who played Tony in the movie? Who? Richard Bamer, who is the rotten husband in All Creatures Great and Not So Great. Oh, really? Oh, there's always a moonlighting. It's like 
six degrees of Kevin Bacon is like six degrees of moonlighting. That's right. There's a lot of six degrees of moonlighting, that's for sure. However, he didn't sing. He acted in the movie, but it wasn't his voice. It was um, was Jimmy Bryant. But anyway. Okay. So I love how she rolls her eyes while he's singing. He doesn't know the words and he's just going. I know. Yes. It's very silly. It's so good. And he does (laughs) his kickboxing, spits on his hands, does a kickboxing. (laughs) He kicks it. Yes. So good. All right. So they look in the drainage pipe and they find the Duchess. They do. They pull it right out of there. But not for long. So the lieutenant appears and pulls a gun on them. (laughs) Yeah, another plot twist, yeah. And in the commentary, they said that while the script was being written, they didn't know who the killer was yet. So they had to call Dan back to do this scene because they Mm. worked out that the lieutenant was the killer. Right. (laughs) I was going to say, I remember there was something in the commentary, but yeah, thanks for reiterating it because I, I forgot what they said exactly. Come join our Facebook community at Fans of Moonlighting the Podcast and our Instagram community at Moonlighting the Podcast. Pulls a gun on him and then we're realising that he's killed Charles and he wants the Duchess and that's why he's been nagging Maddie thinking that she knew where the Duchess was. Yep. The auto spray painter comes out and distracts them and David kicks the gun out of his hand. The spray painter, that's... um, Gary Carlos Cervantes. He's known for Commando in 1985, Colors in 1988, and The Astronaut's Wife in 1999. I'm sure everybody recognizes this gentleman. He goes back to 1974. He was one of the shooters in Scarface. Oh, really? He was in Hill Street Blues. Oh, and he was in China Beach with Dana Delaney. Wow. And guess what? This is the trivia that I couldn't find earlier. It's really funny because in 1993, he was in The Wonder Years with Dan for two episodes. Ah, really? Okay. Mm. Yeah, and I was going to say it's like everyone who guest stars on Moonlighting um, gets their own show shortly after. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. He did so many TV series, Picket Fences, uh, Third Rock, Chicago Hope, eight episodes of Days of Our Lives. Mm, gosh, everybody. Now everyone's starting to come from a soap opera. And I also know him from the West Wing. Ah, really? Okay. Yeah, he was in four episodes, but he played different roles. He wasn't the same character. Grey's Anatomy, he was in Weeds, The Mentalist. By the looks of it, he's definitely still working. He's just completed something called There Are No Saints. Mm. So that's Gary. Very good. This is just a funny, colourful yeah. scene, isn't it's it? Just- it's just a lot of fun. You know, it's just a way for them to get really silly. It's very Glenn, I think. Yeah. Just paint goes everywhere. And I think they had fun filming it because there are some outtake pictures of where Bruce and Sybil have the paint all over them and they're kind of have their hands up like zombies, you know, and they're just kind of like, look like yeah. they're having they have big smiles on their faces, you know, they're covered in green and red and stuff. Yeah. I think they really enjoyed doing things like this, a lot of slapstick stuff. And I mean, she really enjoyed having being smashed in the face with a cream pie, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> so. I think they enjoyed getting kind of messy, dirty, yeah, mixing it up. You'd think that that wouldn't be a fun day at work, but maybe it was. Maybe it was really playful and it was just maybe they always had fun and laughed and had more fun during those scenes because they both said that they enjoyed the cream pie in the face and all of that, mm. and, you know, it was real satisfying. And so maybe, yeah, they looked like they were satisfied being dumped on with paint. 
And the spray painter, he was cute. He was really cute. Yeah. He like, yes. hey, lady, you can't come in here. Hey, you can't take that. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, hey, that looks good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. When he sees the car painted, he goes, yeah. hey, that's nice. That's yeah, nice. Yeah. He likes like, you know, <laughs> he likes the colors, that, you know. It's good how Maddie gets the spray bottle and sprays the lieutenant blue and <laughs> I didn't yeah. know he had squid in this neighborhood. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. So then the lieutenant just starts shooting paint pots. There's paint flying everywhere. Mm-hmm. Maddie gets the green and she complains. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So they both get in the car. Hey, you can't do that. And that's when he says, hey, that's nice. Yeah. She goes, you can't drive this car. You can't see anything. And then the lieutenant shoots the window. So I that's know. Good. And luckily didn't shoot David. No, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but the lieutenant's having a great time just shooting at Will. Yeah. Shooting at Will or whoever else. Or, or, or Steve or Mike or whoever else he can hit. Yeah. Really fun and cute ending and a cute last line, letting us know that it did not go past Maddie, that David said that he lived for her. Yeah. Now, and see, she, that, that doesn't make sense because after that scene, she was angry. I know. So, I know. But see, we're missing something. We're missing. There's definitely yeah, there's something some, missing. There's a page missing out of our copy of the script. also on merchandise by the way (laughs) Uh, and i love the little kiss that she throws and that's that's not very maddie like is it no she just looks at him and says guess that's that guess that's that tell me one more time about the poor slobs that live for me you keep wearing that much makeup and are gonna lose interest <laughs> Those two, they're never on the same page at the same time. No, they are ships that pass in the night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so that was a real fun plot. I thought it was a great episode. A bit of international intrigue, and you know, mm-hmm. an expensive oil painting, a little mm-hmm. romance, Bruce singing Something's Coming, which is great. Them being both tied up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> David's hands on Maddie's behind. Mm-hmm. More door slamming. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, a crooked lieutenant, a $2,000 profit, a man committing suicide for Maddie, two Mr. Wrights, Maddie <laughs> dragging a man out of her office to her home, the Helen Keller <laughs> look, a bill of lading, and Bruce's interpretation of Tony. Yes. What's not to love? Now, I want to ask you something, Shauna. All right. Did you realize? that Philip and Charles were the same person. No. It's the same actor. Oh, that's so funny. So one had a mustache, a mustache, and the other didn't. And okay, the same actor. All right. Well, he was more handsome as Charles. He definitely was more handsome as Charles. Because I had a good look at it and I thought, hang on, this actor is not accredited. So I went back Mm. and looked and he's got a cleft in his chin and so is Charles. And then Mm. I took a snapshot of both of them and it's the same person. But you know what they've done? I don't know why they've done this. He's got this 
cleft in his chin and he's got this like a scar or an indent mm. on the right-hand side of his chin. Yeah. Now, in the scene where he falls to the ground after he's shot himself, they've reversed the film so that uh-huh. the crease is on the other side of his face. Hmm. Now, whether that's to hide that it's the same actor, I don't know, but they put a mole right. on him and dyed his hair. Yeah. Put a wig on him, whatever. But Philip and Charles was John Calvin. It was the same uh, actor. Gosh, that makes total sense. I can't believe I've never even thought about that before. Grace, you know what? You're always good with the revealing insights. <laughs> I have a few you more questions. Research. Yeah, thank you. I have a few more questions. I want to know right. what they did with this painting. Who's got it now? I know. Why didn't Maddie keep it? Let's and, see. And I want to know how just, quickly yeah. did they get this painting done? True. All good questions. And it's funny because this actor, John Calvin, died twice in this episode. That's got to be a first. I know. That's pretty funny. You get hired for a role and you just keep dying. Mm. Play two different parts and you die. And Grace, um, I forgot to mention, there's a bit of an Easter egg in this episode as well um, that we didn't mention before. Oh, what's Um, that? During the scene, when Maddie comes into the office and David's throwing a party for her Mm. and kind of giving her ideas about how to spend the money. There's a special guest as an office worker. Have you ever noticed? A special guest as an office worker. My goodness. Um, I didn't look too closely at the extras in this episode. Well, it's the director, Peter Werner. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. If you look closely, he is one of the um, office workers. He's got Two party hats on his head, and he's kind of just crosses <laughs> behind David once or twice during the episode. So, oh. uh, yeah, I forgot to mention that earlier. It just came to mind. He's not the only director to ever make a little cameo, but we'll get to that in later episodes. But yeah, Peter Warner does make a little bit of a cameo, unexpected cameo here, because we'll see him in Twas, but that is expected because he's actually directing the episode when they pan around to the cast and crew. But here he's just playing a little surprise extra role. It would have been great if they had have done that more often, if the directors made a cameo appearance like Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess in a way, well, Dennis Dugan does. Mm. I mean, he started off playing a character, but later, you know, he does uh, play other characters as well. Yeah. And kind of like Alan Arkish did in Funeral for a Doornail. People don't know where he appears in that. We will talk about that when we see that episode. So I wonder what is the deciding factor on a director thinking, well, we need another extra in this scene. I'll do it. Maybe because Peter Werner was invited back again and again and again. He was one of the main directors of the show. Like when we talked to Glenn, he said that Peter just got the show. He really got it. He got the the cadence of the dialogue and, and all of that. So probably just got to know the cast and crew so well that it was easy for him. You know, I think they just have a lot of fun sometimes on the set and maybe they thought it would be a fun thing for him to slip into the background. I mean, it's a party so that you can have unlimited extras in there really, or maybe they just actually did need another extra and he decided to slip in there, which is, I think was the case with Alan Arkish that day. I think the actor didn't show up, so he decided he would do it. But uh, yeah, I don't know why Peter decided to do a little cameo there. Like you say, like um, Hitchcock used to do that all the time. That's great. I'm going to go and watch the episode now. See you, Shauna. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know you have to go take a look and see if you can spot him. He passes by behind Bruce a couple of times, but pretty quickly. So you got to right. keep your eyes peeled. Just the yeah. one episode I didn't take notice of the office workers. <laughs> I know. I know because we usually are mentioning, oh, that was Jorgensen or that was Randy or that was, yeah, we're usually paying more attention. But uh, this time 
there's a little more to say about that. So a little Easter egg, a little moonlighting Easter egg in there, Grace. Well, thank you for that wonderful nugget, Shauna. Love it. That's why we're here. What we're here for, you know. Is this episode in your top 10, Shauna? This episode is not in my top 10. It's okay. It's not my favorite episode in the world of Moonlighting. (laughs) It's not a go-to. It's a little bit dated to me. A lot of filler, a lot of monologues by guest stars, and it's cute. But I wouldn't say it's a classic Moonlighting episode to me. What about you? Yes, the same. It's not in my top 10. But I really enjoy watching this episode because there's a lot of great one-liners. Yes, they're all good. You know, I mean, they get better and better the more we watch them. You know, there's just more to see and more dialogue to catch. No complaints at all, but uh, not in my top 10. And I love the ending. Yes, ending's a lot of fun. (laughs) How many door slams did you count? I believe it was six. Oh, I got eight. We're always off. Mm, Let me go back. Okay, so... The first door slam I've got is when he says he wants an executive bonus. Then when she's back at the office the next day, she's late, but she doesn't, that's not a door slam. Then when she comes back from the police station and she's upset, she goes into her office and slams the door. So that's number two. Mm -hmm. Number three is when he says one little suicide and there's no talking to you. She slams and leaves. Yes. Then when he says, can I stick a statue of myself in the lobby? That's another slam. And when Charles Wright arrives and she slams David out of the office, doesn't let him in. Yes. When he slams the door open, when he arrives at the police station acting as a lawyer. Yeah. Okay. When they're back at Maddie, she shuts the front door on David. When he brings her home, they slam the door open when they arrive at the loft with the accomplice. Okay. So three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I've got eight. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. What about the outfit changes, Shauna? What do you reckon? Yeah, outfit changes. I was just looking through my notes and I noticed I was writing them down until about halfway, but let me go through them. So she has a white outfit in the morning. Then she has a blue dress with a pink coat. And then she has her pajamas. Yes. And then the next morning she comes in and she has another outfit on for the party, but then she has another set of pajamas. She's woken up in the middle of the night. Is that right? So another pajama at the police station. Oh, so how many is that? Five. I didn't count the pajamas when the Lieutenant woke her up. I didn't know that. So I've got the intro, the white suit, the outfit gray dress and pink jacket, then Mm -hmm. the PJs. That's three. Then the pink dress and white jacket, that's four. And then I've got Mm -hmm. the light pink suit, which is five. So if she's wearing a different, let's make it different. So the second sleep, sleep. yeah, when they when she's awoken. So that'll I reckon that's six then. I think so. And we have one singing Bruce singing something's coming. We have no rhymes from Agnes. I know. But did you get the feet out of the elevator? Yes, there's one foot out of the elevator. Sorry, I didn't mention that. So in summary, the total is 34 door slams so far. And the door slams only started in Money Talks, Maddie Walks. Yes. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, they really started slamming those doors. Mm. Seven feet out of the elevator. Mm -hmm. And we have 6.5 rhymes from Agnes. 6.5. So that's the summary of our Moonlight Stats. Wow. Amazing. Those are great. I would have thought by now, you know, if you just think when you think of moonlighting, like the Agnes Reinders, such a staple 
You would think that we would have gotten more of them by now. Especially if they needed a bit of a filler. Yeah. There was really no Agnes at all. Hmm. I mean, you know, she was in the party scene or whatever, but not much. Not much for Agnes. It's now time for Moonlight Mail. All right. Well, yes, we have a wonderful email. One of my favorite letters that we've received because I can definitely relate. And I just love how people have found the podcast and are making it part of their routine and watching the episodes again. And, you know, when they take a walk, they listen to our podcast and it kind of puts a bright spot in their day, which is exactly why we're doing this, Grace, to bring moonlighting joy back into people's lives. So this is from April. And she says, hi, ladies, I discovered your podcast via Instagram late last year and absolutely love it. Your level of detail analyzing each episode is simply amazing. For my homework each week, I watch the upcoming week's podcast episode and then listen to you two on my Sunday hour long walks. It makes me laugh, agree, disagree, and discover new things about episodes I have watched hundreds of times in the past. I own the entire catalog on DVD and completely agree that it should be streaming to allow for new and old viewers who can enjoy it too. My first time was in 1986 when I was 15 years old. This woman on TV became my role model, door slamming, growling, and all. Maddie was who I wanted to be. I even dressed up like her for Halloween, wearing orange Reeboks. (laughs) My favorite episode is Big Man on Mulberry Street. The song, the dance, the secret, and the hair. Today, even my dog is named after her, Maddie Hayes. I love David and Agnes too. Keep up the good work and keep all those lovely details coming. Regards, April from Seattle. And she put a little picture of her dog, Maddie Hayes. I know. Look at her. She's so gorgeous. Oh, my God. She's so gorgeous. And April, thank you for your email. You must be a lovely lady because my daughter's April too. Yeah, that's right. Yes, we have so many things in common, April. And agree. Found the show when I was somewhere 13, 14, 15 years old or whatever and just been a lifelong fan, obviously. So, yeah, I can really relate to everything you're saying. And I just love that you've added in now the podcast to your weekly routine of moonlighting. That just makes my whole year, really. I reckon. And she's doing her homework each week and she's watching an episode and then listening to the podcast, which is terrific. Yeah, it's great. So thanks for that, April. And I think it's great that she dressed up like her for Halloween wearing her orange Reeboks. That's terrific. I love it. It is great. We received another email from Yvonne. She's the Moonlighting fan that let us know what that song was from Gunfight when Maddie and David are in the car and she's screaming. She sent us another email. Hi again. Just adding my two cents worth on the episode Money Talks, Maddie Walks Part 1, where you both said you didn't understand David's comment when looking up at Charles, who is going to jump from the building. This guy's watching a lot of TV shows that are not listed in the TV guide. I took this to mean that he's crazy slash nuts or he's six sandwiches short of a picnic. No offence intended, as this can be viewed differently in 2022. Again, you might have since deciphered this phrase in a later rep, but just thought I would let you know my take. Still enjoying the podcast and slowly catching up, and I must say, re-watching some of the episodes with fresh eyes, given all of the amazing detail you guys talk about. Kind regards, Yvonne. Thanks for your take on Money Talks, Maddie Walks. All these years while I watched that particular episode, I never quite understood what he meant. So that's great. Thank you so much for your email. We've also received an email from Lee regarding knowing her. I could be wrong, but I always thought the circus type music was the daring young man on the flying trapeze. And she has sent us a link for that. So 
Thank you so much for that, Lee. I haven't compared it to the show yet, but yes, you're right. It does sound like that. She's referring to the question I raised in knowing her about the music that played while the funeral procession was going up and down the hills in the drive-in. Joel Kolodna, who played Harlan Armstrong, also met an untimely fate when he appeared in Remington Steel. At least in Moonlighting, he was only shot. In Remington Steel, as a character named Mitchell Knight, he was thrown off the balcony of an apartment 35 floors up. Heavens above. (laughs) I want to go and watch these episodes now. Um, Thank you so much for your email, Lee. And we love it when um, all our fans answer some of our questions. It's really great that you guys are responding. Thanks very much, Lee, for your email. So what's next week's episode, Shauna? Next week's episode is Atlas Belched. With guest star Mark Lynn Baker. This is a very interesting episode. Looking forward to talk to you about that one, Shauna. That's a little life imitating art. I think, or art imitating life. A lot of good bloopers in that one. At least one. (laughs) (laughs) Grace is going to go to town on this one. (laughs) Yes. We're already up to episode nine. Goes quickly. Before we go, Moonlighting fans, we have something exciting to announce. On June 25th, we're having our first ever live event. You can now join in on the podcast and watch us both record live pay the low low cost of ten dollars to join in and watch shauna and grace record twas the episode before christmas join our instagram or facebook page for more details on this live event so stay tuned more details are coming soon all right grace well it's been a lot of fun i can't wait to talk to you next time about alice belch it's gonna be a good one well until next time i'm grace and i'm shauna thank Thank you you for for listening listening to to moonlighting Moonlighting, the podcast Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.